Hello, everybody, and welcome to another very special Lenten episode of Ignite Radio Live. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio for the Almighty. Join us to go deeper into this great adventure at ilovemyfamily.us. So, Stephanie, are we not a world that is just pining for the real presence of Christ, more than just something up in the sky or something that we've heard of, but someone we can tangibly connect with? I think we all know the answer to that question is yes. And tonight, in a short moment, we're going to be interviewing a magnificent convert to the Catholic faith from Hindu. We interviewed him on our recent podcast, episode 304. If you go to IgnatRitaLive.com, and I'm going to butcher his name, but Kailash Duraswamy. Uh, he was in Silicon Valley and very much progressive politically. And he, in that uh, conversation, he tells us the amazing story of coming to embrace his Catholic faith. And tonight, he is going to share with us some of the content of a recent book that he's written on this thing we hear called The Metaverse. Commercial number one, we want to warmly welcome you to our Belief and Beverage Nights, which are the third Thursdays of each month at 6.30 p.m. at GMC of Perrysburg. You can get more info at massimpact.us forward slash BNB. Commercial number two, we want to quickly thank those companies and Catholic business owners who are committed to the highest standards of professional excellence and building the kingdom. We encourage you to find them at massimpact.us forward slash kingdom. And they are all in one payroll. Sherry Glenneman. Archibald Furniture Company, Pat and Patty McNamara. Becoming Gift, Andrew Reinhardt. Carpets by Auto, Auto and D. Wyke. Caruth Studio, Terry Langenderfer. Cronin Auto Family, Rich and Connie Cronin. Interstate Commercial Glass, Walter Erickson. Isabel Financial Services, Dennis Isabel. MFC Products, Paul Miller. McCartney Coaching, Mike McCartney. Resourcement, Jeff Barefoot. Rob Holler, Key Realty, Rob Holler. Quarry Hawk Medical, William Noltner. Signature Associates, Megan Malszewski. SJS Investment Services, Kevin Kelly. Turning Point Chiropractic, Doctors Jeff and Rachel Elmore. And Westgate Insurance Agency, Stephen Malszewski. Again, please support them. They support us. You can find them at massimpact.us forward slash kingdom. This is Kyle. Good morning, Kylish, Greg and Stephanie Schleter. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks for joining us. We're very excited to hear uh, what's going on with you and your wisdom and just to educate us. About some important things. So, Kailish, just to, to pick up perhaps where we left off for our listeners, episode 304, we heard really a remarkable, beautiful story of your journey from really uh, certainly Hindu background, but into uh, Silicon Valley of a progressive political mindset, maybe more of a secular religious, if you will, and falling away from that, but really into the fullness of the Catholic faith, interestingly enough, in the context of the last rather tumultuous election and found yourself then in Florida with tremendous experience in the digital technical arena. Catch us up to speed. Where have things gone since then before we dive into this subject of metaverse? Sure. Yeah. um, Like you said, I had a background which was Hindu for my family upbringing. And then I found the Catholic faith and that transformed my life completely. Thanks be to God. And I worked in San Francisco in Silicon Valley 
most recently as the founder, actually, of a technology startup, which I sold, we sold, I should say, last year. And that was a great blessing. And, you know, you learn a lot about how technology is made, certainly from building something from scratch. And you also learn about, you know, you meet a lot of founders from a variety of different Mm. walks. Um, as you live in San Francisco, different investors, you really get to understand the psychology of how these products are made. Mm. And since then, yes, I've been, I moved back to Florida. You know, to be honest, when when we talked, probably I was thinking I'm not going to be doing much work, maybe retire, take it easy. But the Lord, thanks be to God, has um, really shown me that's not the way it's going to be. And I've started a new technology product with a close friend of mine in the Catholic space, which is really interesting that I'm excited to share more with your audience on. And in general, just really looking forward to being productive and seeing how I can use the talent and gifts that God has given me to to produce something really meaningful in this economy and hopefully create great jobs for for people and create a great organization. That's something that he has really shown me um, Hopefully, if I have the willpower, will be in my future. Fabulous. That's awesome. Thank you for your openness to where the Lord is leading, because we know He's using you to affect so many souls, and uh, for that we are grateful. Just right at the front end, tell us where people can find out more. Where can they go to? Is it fidei.email? Give us the website. Yeah, the website is www.fidei.email. So people might be used to a .com, but... There have been some changes where you can actually change your um, your domain termination with .email, mm. .bank, stuff like that. So we are www.fide.email, and you're going to find out everything about what we're offering. But as the name may suggest, we're starting with an email product built by Catholics for Catholics. And the, the point really that we see is, People are willing to consume in the grocery store or whether it comes to clothes with some type of moral lens. So you want food, which is maybe packaged in ways that are more friendly to the environment. You want clothes that have labor practices that respect the dignity of the people who make these clothing or these shoes. Mm -hmm. And we think that or another one that's much more um, accessible is Buy American. You know, there's Mm -hmm. a a value that goes beyond just the dollars and cents that people are willing to choose as consumers. And we think that it's it's long been time that Catholics have had the opportunity to choose online to work with a software vendor that speaks the same values as they do. And the unfortunate reality we might go into in this in this um, discussion is most of the values in, in Silicon Valley don't um don't really speak for what we believe as Catholics. And it's really quite simple for us to to change that. And we kind of go into some of these products may appear free, quote unquote, but nothing truly is free. And we're trying to give an option to to people who are conscious consumers who have Catholic values, mm-hmm. that there's an option online now for your email. And hopefully from here, we're going to build into bigger and bigger product lines that we can give you options that share your values, and this may this this re, it, this will be reflected in the product in a variety of ways. Whether it's your privacy or whether it's the types of sites that we block, the types of spam that we block. There's there's many different ways that Catholic values can be 
inculcated into the product. And if you visit our site, www.fide.email, you'll see all of these different things that would be a whole interview. So I won't, I won't bore you with that here. <laughs> no, that's oh, great. great. That- <laughs> the, uh, so when did you and your friends um, start this? Yeah. You know, he and I have been looking at different products like this for a few years. And a lot of the ideas we had didn't work because we weren't really sure how do you create something that it's just as valuable for the first user as it will be for the 10,000th user. Hmm. And we tried with stuff like social media, like maybe like a Twitter type clone. And we tried with some other stuff and some, some businesses turned out to be too expensive. So over the last few years, we've been iterating and kind of um, ex- experimenting for what we thought would work. And once we built this email idea, once we started to test it, it was totally clear to us because it's a unique technology that if you sign up, it's valuable to you and you don't need your friends to sign up. And you don't need, for example, like a YouTube, a Catholic YouTube is something people talk about. Like the value of YouTube is the the library of content. So if you sign up as the first user and there's no content, it's very hard to make that meaningful for the the initial users. But Mm -hmm. email is is really interesting because you gain that value immediately and so we've been looking at stuff for the last few years but this email we released it actually only the beginning of this year but if you can believe the first week of january we did about 100 emails transacted i'm sure we were 80 percent of those emails but since then last week that we counted we count every monday so last monday we did over 3000 combined that's awesome so we've been able to have a lot of people sign up and it's it's really quite simple people just understand it they want to move off of these other platforms and they they want to feel like their data is protected and that they are working with someone that they trust and it's really that simple Fabulous. So let's let's make the switch then into the subject at hand. And just for our audience to know, um, we've been hearing this word metaverse. Some of us may have studied it or researched it. It's going to be unavoidable. It's creeping into, if you will, uh, just our lives in the same way that cell phones did right early in the 2000s. It was only the wealthy in the late 1990s who had the cell phones. And then Internet somehow came on the scene and scene. And you wondered, you know, how pervasive is that going to be now? There's almost near total proliferation, 90% plus probably. And uh, the questions in the back of our head for a company like Facebook to spend, I want to say $180 billion, if I have that number correctly, uh, putting a pretty big bet that this thing called Metaverse is with us and it's going to be a prominent way of interacting in the future. Um, I will say that, so the conversation, I'm like, who can I have, how can we have this conversation with from a Catholic perspective where most of us already have a sense that there's an increasing disconnect of the human person from physical contact, the word made flesh, our pining to know human beings and interact, to hear a voice, to see the world around us. This seems to be a step, shall we say, in a different direction. Then I will punctuate this and just get get your um, in this conversation uh, that a number of Catholic entities, I think Father Pavanka, head of Steubenville with some others, was essentially saying that they want to be present there. I understand that. Maximilian Kolbe used modern technology. They want to be present and and uh, be, a, if you 
you will, an influence in this place, which is going to be is going to be so pervasive. And then the rest of us around him who, who use technology uh, in this conversation were sort of had this question mark of over our heads of is, isn't this something we should really just kind of avoid altogether because of of the disconnect and the languishing and and all of the consequences that we're seeing happen. So let's just begin. You've written a book on this. You're an expert on this um, in technology. Let's just begin with what is the metaverse? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think predominantly for just to kind of set the table, a lot of what I will talk about from the perspective of Facebook is going to come from writings that Mark Zuckerberg has done himself and some interviews that he's done over the last few months. And the church perspective, I'm going to go from documents that the church has published specifically on the internet, which they've done, believe it or not, for 30, over 30 years, the church has actually mm-hmm. produced different teachings and thinkings and whether it's a homily from Pope St. John Paul II, you know, they've, they've commented on the internet for a really long time. I was actually very surprised about hmm. that myself. Very in surprising. The process of writing what I wrote that this, this question is actually really answered already for us, which is amazing. Wow. So the question you asked is, what is the metaverse? And Mark Zuckerberg says that really what you were talking about, which is there was this frontier of internet where we're so on really where we consume data and the internet from basically a web browser or some type of liquid crystal display on your phone or your computer. And these are fancy words, but basically Mm -hmm. what we're doing now, you know, you're pressing stuff on your phone, you're clicking in your computer. That is where we are now. Now he believes that the next phase is going to be a, a metaverse. And he defines this as the next platform will be even more immersive and embodied internet where you're in the experience, not just looking at it. Mm. So right now we are just looking at it on our phone, on our computer, and the next phase will be an embodied internet. And the way that we're going to consume this are through these virtual reality headsets and these fancy gloves, which they're making, which will track our, um, you know, point of view and track what we're trying to do to manipulate this environment. And I, I kind of draw this analogy because it kind of makes it easier to understand. Right now, what we're doing is interacting with the internet through a mouse or a trackpad on your computer mm-hmm. and the keyboard. And what we're going to be doing if they have their way is interacting with the internet through a virtual reality headset and gloves. And really those two things will map to each other. The the headset controls where you look, the mouse controls where you are, the keyboard controls your input into the system, and this, these gloves or whatever they make will, will control your input into the metaverse. And again, what they're trying to, what they believe is true is that we're, we've, ex, we've exhausted the limits of experiencing the computer in this two-dimensional way and we need to be more immersed in it in order to accomplish this next phase of what they're trying to build fascinating so as you thank you for that description and i have to say my younger greg is thoroughly 
uh, enthusiastic and would would be eager to dive into that. What's your gut on this? What you know, your personal you you've come to Catholicism, you recognize real presence, you recognize the Word made flesh. It's drawn you. It's been an occasion of conversion. It's drawn lines for you that have defined your nature and living it out fully. And I know you now have this great horizon that you're exploring in that realm. And simultaneously, we're being given the metaverse. So you're in a unique place, Kyleish, to, to sort of tell us how viscerally is are you are you responding to this opportunity? Yeah, you know, it's the right word that you've used is presence. And I go into this in what I wrote, where this is this is Mark Zuckerberg. What he wrote in this letter is in October of 2021. He says the defining quality of the metaverse will be a feeling of presence. Like you are right there with another person or in another place. Feeling truly present with another person is the ultimate dream of social technology. That is why we are focused on building this. That's in his own words, hmm. right? That the, the goal that they're trying to accomplish is present. But you rightfully bring up, as does the church, and this is in a document which is called The Church and Internet. So this is, as you can imagine... A, a, um, a document that the Pontifical Council released on the church and the internet. This is released in February of 20, of 2002. So this is two, 20 years ago. Wow. The church re, um, released this statement and they said, virtual reality is no substitute for the real presence mm. of Christ in the Eucharist. The sacramental reality of the other sacraments and shared worship in a flesh and blood human community. There are no sacraments on the internet. And even the religious experiences possible there by the grace of God are insufficient apart from real world interaction. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing what you pointed out because as, as Catholics, as faithful Catholics, perhaps we, we recognize this instantly that the presence of God you know, receiving the sacraments holy and truly in person, that's what makes our life joyful. That's what makes our life mm-hmm. possible to live in this difficult world. And I think it's very telling and very interesting that both the church and Mark Zuckerberg focus on this word presence, right? Mm-hmm. And my reaction is, I think that it's going to be perhaps useful and perhaps something where it's convenient because the meeting quality is better or it, it, it achieves some of these goals that they're trying to do. Uh, and I also think, like, like you mentioned, Father Pavanka, or anyone in the Catholic world who is trying to be at the forefront of this, I think is actually a good thing. I think if you have the time, you have the platform, you have the reason, it's actually a good thing to try to bring God and the Catholic Church to this, this frontier of technology. However, I think like you just said, it's, it will be limited in what, in what it achieves. And it may be perhaps, you know, much more limited than we think for those of us who have faith, because really what matters is what happens in mass. What happens is what matters in confession. What happens is what matters in the physical reality we have as a church. That's so much more important than anything they're going to do in this. But I don't think it's all bad. And mm-hmm. I think. Just like for me, you know, personally, I was led to the faith through online resources, you know, as, as I talked to you guys about the last time. Mm-hmm. And I think perhaps there's someone else who will be led to the faith um, mm-hmm. through online resources in the metaverse. It's, I would believe it fully because of what I experienced. 
so there's thank you for that and press in with important points and lead this as so we can absorb as much of your research and perspective as possible but I, my mind is led to the movie on netflix that i direct everyone to called the social dilemma which is really profiles the wisdom the the uh, insights of those who are architects of this social media that we use and notable is that the top leaders are extremely restrictive of those whom they love in their use of the internet um it, you know the the movie itself the social dilemma tristan harris is one of the leading uh shall we say watchdogs um who, who speaks very candidly about these concerns from strictly a secular standpoint but three points as i go to the site the social dilemma.com i'd appreciate your your commentary on that in light of what you just shared with us so there's the mental health dilemma they say a five thousand person study found that higher social media use correlated with self-reported declines in mental and physical health and life satisfaction then the dem the, the democracy dilemma number two the number of countries with political disinformation campaigns on social media doubled in the past two years and then thirdly and finally the discrimination dilemma 64 percent of the people who joined extremist groups on facebook did so because the algorithms steered them there so um just my thought is the distinction between maybe essence of something like is it objectively evil i think we'd probably agree no that this technology and this connectivity is not objectively evil but but have we reached a point though here's my question to you who are immersed in this where maybe the human person is in tilt that there's a sense of I'm, my, my soul is, is, is pining for something. The promises are being made in the social media. Here's this metaverse thing that wants to take me even deeper. And I'm already kind of beginning, and maybe it's just me, age 54, much older than many who are into this, uh, you know, that I'm like, t- I give up. Like, I see the reason why many people want to just farm land. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's interesting. I think what comes to my mind is actually this program, Exodus 90. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm-hmm. I've been, yeah, I um, love it participate a couple years ago yeah and you know when you when you come out of a program like that or any kind of digital detox where you're putting more and more space between you and computer usage and screen usage i find personally i don't know how you go back to it Hmm. and i think that Hmm. it's interesting in in this uh, letter from mark zuckerberg he says this isn't about spending more time on screens it's about making the time we already spend better well, mm. I hope for everyone that time you spend on the screen is, is really limited, to be honest. Mm. And I think perhaps there will be reasons for your work or for some other responsibilities you have where you need to be in a metaverse uh, meeting. Maybe mm-hmm. this will happen in 50 years. Who knows? And I think that should be fine. I think that should be fine to be able to have an ordered relationship towards it. But I totally agree. I think that when you look at something like the social dilemma, or if you look at who are the architects of this this system? They have they have proven to us that they want you to be on your computer screen as much as possible. More and I think more and more. They've proven that. Yeah, they've proven that to us through the way that these products are organized and how they've built them. Whether it's YouTube or I haven't been on Facebook for some time, but I've heard that you know it's filled with live streaming content, you know, all this stuff that they want you to be spending as much time as possible glued to your screen. I think we're very right to be suspicious of that. And I think that if we feel personally that we want nothing to do with it, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because whatever we're looking for, the most meaningful aspects of it aren't going to be found 
on the metaverse. You know, the church has taught us that mm-hmm. really clearly that what we care about and the relationship with God or even communal relationship, which it mentioned in that, in that quote that I read, mm-hmm. that's not really online, right? Yeah. It says religious experiences possible there are insufficient apart from real world interaction. So it's not enough if we watch mass or it's not enough if we gain something there. We do have to go to church. We mm-hmm. do have to actually know people in person. And the reverse is not true, obviously, which is if you have a great real world faith life, you don't have to go online to get more. Do you think that we've lost uh, a generation has lost a capacity to even know how to relationally collect, connect in a full, meaningful human way? And I might not simply refer to social media and how it forms our brains, how it forms the very way we think uh, and, and engage other people, but add to it now COVID. Um, which has removed people from meaningful social engagements, add the masks and whatever commentary. I'm not even bringing that into the conversation, but the absence of that full human presence. I mean, from your vantage as a, as a young man who's been successful already, who's pioneering in a lot of these ways, what's your, what's your take on this subject right now among your peers? Is there an absence of, of knowing what it means to fully physically be self-present? I think that if you, if you take the people that I know, you know, who are going to church, who are my age, shoot, some work for Google, some work for Facebook, you know, they work in these companies, some have technology startups, they're in very similar types of um, engagement in technology as to me, I would say for those who are faithful Catholics, the answer is no, they still have the ability to be present. And they still have the the great joy of true friendships Mm -hmm. that we all share. And that's absolutely present. You know, I live now in a pretty small area of Florida. I got a lot of friends who are my age who have families who are very, very responsible about screen time and very Mm -hmm. diligent and intentional. So the answer is, has it been completely lost? No. And the people who are maintaining their faith life and who are are thinking about it, they're able to do it. Now, there, there are two parts of this. One is it requires an extraordinary amount of energy to refuse these temptations because, mm-hmm. and, and this is something that I think we've talked about before, like it is, we must be online to be economically viable and to be honest, to be even mm-hmm. socially viable at this time. Mm-hmm. You must be online in order to do jobs. You must be online to do a lot of jobs. You must be online to communicate and connect with people. And like you said, the technology in itself is not evil. So you are, you need to be online to do these things. But unfortunately, because of companies like Facebook, companies like YouTube, their incentivization to get you glued to the screen, when you're online, now it comes along with, what comes along with that is a bunch of temptation, truly. Mm-hmm. And it requires a very strong person to refuse that. So I think, are people capable of refusing this in my generation? Yes. And I know them and I'm sure they're all over the country. People I don't know who are going to church and being very intentional with how they live and being very intentional with the relationship that they have with technology. But I would say the unfortunate reality is people who are not formed in the faith and people who are, who are my, in my generation who have not been given a deposit of faith or have not been taught um, how to identify and refuse temptation. Yes, I would say a lot of them have very crippling challenges with relating mm-hmm. to people. And that's 
that's when you're on the phone all the time. And, and that's when um, you relate to the world in an inorganic way. And I think that's like when you're at a moment at a concert or whatever, and you have to take out your phone. That's when you're eating food at a restaurant and you have to take out your phone. You know, I think those are dependencies mm-hmm. which are disordered, mm-hmm. frankly. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, of course, a plague of my generation. And it's something that prevents them from, as you, as you asked in the question, it prevents them from having a true, meaningful, ordered human connection. Yeah, it does. Technology is interrupting that. Not for everyone, right. but for a lot of people, for sure. I love that. There's a standard and there are temptations away from our nature in Christ. The enemy introduces sin, flesh, and the devil. We all experience it. I think we could all stand to reflect upon why, why am I reaching for my device? What do I hope to accomplish out of it? Is it really accomplishing it? I've often thought that if we could convert the check impulse into a prayer impulse, we'd be a society of saints. <laughs> you know, if we could convert this, I got to check my device, I got to do this, uh, you know, because I, I, I love the fact that I have easy, quick access to any curiosity that I have about politics politics, about finance, about physics, about technology, whatever the case may be, I do think there's something there that that I have to reflect upon, um, you know, a sense of contemplation, self-mastery, rightly ordered heart and mind of peace. I want to shift, though, back to you a second, because you've written a book on this. Tell us about the book and tell us what are some of the highlights that perhaps you haven't illustrated already. What are some of the key themes? Yeah, so not a book, just a long-form article okay. that uh, we're, we're looking for a publisher. Uh, the key themes really is the concept of presence. That's a, that's a huge thing. And, and what we investigate is what are we, what will, what will not change with this metaverse invention and mm. what could possibly mm, change? Great. And we, we've, we've kind of investigated that even in this conversation. But the, the number one thing to really understand is the church has already told us 20 years ago that virtual reality is no substitute for the real presence. Mm. And, you know, as it continues that the real sacramental relationship cannot be experienced anywhere else, but with a priest in the mass, etc. Mm-hmm. So that's something that, as you had mentioned in the beginning of the conversation, we, we know that perhaps in a intuitive sense, but we actually have documentation from the church that, that clearly states that to us. So that's one thing that we must know, I think, mm-hmm. hopefully as Catholics that, put put primacy on our faith, we care about a sacramental relationship with God, then it's not going to be found in the internet, the metaverse, the whatever. It can't, it just can't be there. And then I think one of the things that I go into after that is what does the church itself consider useful on the internet? Mm. And for that, I go into a further uh, discussion from Pope St. John Paul II. He gave a, a homily or a talk on the Christian message in a computer culture. And Hmm. he says that the internet provides three major things for the church that are meaningful and that are useful. And that's methods of facilitating communication and dialogue among church members. And then secondly, immediate access to information. And Mm -hmm. thirdly, it gives the church the ability to enter into a continuous discussion with the world around her. Mm. And again, you know, those are very telling and very useful, but I think it's amazing when you think that was written in 1990. I mean, that's so far before social media. That's, that's before search engine. That's before Yahoo. That's like so early. I think talk about prophetic really go JP too. Yeah, exactly. 
it gives me so much confidence when I read a lot of these documents that were like so far before technology founders, you know, that the people in our church, the leaders were able to see what the internet could be and what the internet could not be. And I think, uh, pardon the pun, but a meta commentary on what I wrote and what I researched is the church, because it has these foundational principles, which are eternal, can look at even, even scenarios that are very fast changing, like the internet in 1990 to 2002. I mean, can you even imagine mm. how much the internet changed from like a recession era time in the early nineties mm-hmm. to the dot-com, right? The dot-com mania. Right. And they still had these very effective and very accurate teachings. And I go into some of those things like, you know, how could the metaverse affect some of these different, um, different useful ways that the internet can be. I kind of kicked the can down the road, to be honest, because it's so early on. No, I don't think, I don't know if anyone publicly has used it or if there's even released software uh, development kits. So it's hard to say what will actually be the universe, but uh, sorry, what the metaverse will actually be. But hopefully people in the church, like Father Pavanka, whoever else, can find ways to meet these three needs, which would be facilitating communication among church members, providing immediate access to information in a unique way in the metaverse, Mm -hmm. and entering into a discussion with the world around her. And that might be a discussion like on Twitter, but the metaverse is going to be so visual. I think you can look at things like you create a exact replica of a digital representation of the cathedrals that are beautiful in this world, yeah. right? You can do that. Stuff. Yeah, it'd be and amazing. Hopefully, that will be useful. Like just that point for a moment. Just you introduce something there that is visual that taps my interest, uh, and I think coincides with a godly soul. And that is, what if we could stand in the middle of the Sistine Chapel and look up, down, all around, and have an experience of being there? And realize we're not there physically, but have some kind of experience clearly that that would correspond to, you know, uh, our, our encounter with God through art and, and a medium there that that hopefully it would be as accurate as possible. I'm not a big fan of animation. I mean, some animated you know movies and such are good, but I'm not a big fan as an art form. But things like that, you presumably you would have, you know, 4K, 5K, whatever, very vivid video that is uh, more immersive than just watching a two dimensional screen. So they, and I love um, that you are kicking the can down the road, as you said, because these are important things, right? That, that will lay a foundation for further discussion and for um, just insights and thoughtfulness as we do proceed closer and closer to this. And I think just listening to you and Greg, your comments, Gosh, what an opportunity for the church to go even deeper in a call to deeper holiness, to virtue, to self-control, to personal presence, to the sacraments, you know, to highlight them even more in their importance. And it's not opposed necessarily, right, to what is to come or what they're working on, but an opportunity, hopefully, that the church will embrace um, to become a holier people, to help guide the faithful along the way, you know, as this is becoming more and more a reality, no pun intended there either. So I had a friend in college who was a marginal Catholic, non-practicing Catholic, and he went to Luxembourg, which was our, if you will, European campus, Miami University of Ohio's European campus. And they, of course, had the occasion to have a cultural immersion. And he describes when he went into whatever chapel 
that uh, it was a fairly good attendance. It may have been a, a holy day of obligation or something. He just happened to go. And he said, as soon as that the chord of that organ was hit, and I realized he was saying more in this, he said, he everybody dropped to the knees and he said, at that moment, he became a believer. Now, you know, a little bit anecdotal here, but just the possibility for something like this to put somebody in an audio-visual experience of, say, polyphony, a beautiful choir, uh, perhaps even in mass, I realize one can't receive, but I'm just kind of, Maybe imagining the possibility of of being drawn into that kind of beauty to a greater degree. I've also heard, of course, the proliferation of of pornography and whatever forms that may take. Also, are we mastering ourselves according to the master? This is, again, from that 2002 uh, document where they say justice is needed, especially justice in working to close the digital divide. The gap between the information rich and the information poor in today's world. Mm. And I think your example of providing a way to have a real immersive experience of mass at the Sistine Chapel, even if you're just going to go see it and not actually experience it. I think one of the things that's really important is, you know, you can deliver that to Catholics all around the world. I would say probably 90% of Catholics will not actually have the resources and capability Mm -hmm. to go to Rome and experience something like that. So that's an example where, you know, that's a very great thing to do for our fellow Catholic um, brothers and sisters who probably will never have that ability. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about it like that, you've added something very new to them. And I think, um, you know, that's very special. And if you look at something like that, I don't know, but I feel fairly confident Facebook is not going to make that experience. Mm. You know, we really are the ones who are going to have to build that. We're going to be the ones who are going to have to use the software kits and the tools that they're going to make available to to make that a reality Mm. for people all around the world for however long the metaverse exists. So I think it's a great example what you said that and it has a purpose and meaning which could be important. Mm. Um, so the second thing that you asked about is regarding um, politics and religion. And, you know, this, what comes to my mind is that I was reading the imitation of Christ mm. uh, today, and this is chapter three, uh, section five. And he says, verily when the day of judgment comes, we shall not be asked what we have read, but what we have done, mm-hmm. nor how learnedly we have spoken but how religiously we have lived. I find personally that pe- people are, they act like the day of judgment will be a knowledge test. <laughs> and I have found well put. more personally that it's, it's actually a lot easier to, um, to receive the world as it is and to really focus on this very small task that the Lord has allocated me to. And to not worry about whether, um, you know, somebody somewhere really far away did something I didn't like or somebody somewhere really far away in the church said something I didn't like. Um, I have found, and this is, this actually does speak to the technology of this world because a hundred years ago, you wouldn't know, right? You wouldn't know what they said. You wouldn't know what these people ate for breakfast. You wouldn't know. you know, how the surgery went for the Holy Father, like, you just wouldn't know. And I think it's it's more, I have found people are really like, there is conflict in this world, and there is um, there is a lot of challenge. But I think personally that 
we would be better suited to not look at the day of judgment of ours as a knowledge test, but instead mm. a disposition test. And I think absolutely a lot of these internet tools are meant to corrupt our disposition. You know, they're meant to agitate us. It's all about, you know, lots of um, information coming towards you, anger, bright colors, all this stuff. And I think that we would be better served to mute that so to speak, mm-hmm. and really focus on something else. So I kick the can on this question too. <laughs> That's good. No, I, and I, I think the best of spiritual wisdom in our interviews with a number of very formidable uh, church leaders, uh, Father Nathan Cromley, Peter Herbeck, um, John Michael Tal- Talbot, Joe Campo. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, these are some folks I'd really like to connect you with if you haven't already, because I think they all share this awareness that there is a God. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. And even the evil that plays out is on a short leash. He allows it for the purpose for our formation and virtue. And what can we do? I think Mother Teresa's... You know, very beautiful, uh, simple phrase, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. You know, if anything, you know, I think what you're describing here and um, and kudos to any efforts made in technology that you are creating and the people that you're with to help foster this is um, how might it foster um, greater attention to our, our families, greater attention to to personal presence beyond just the noetic, as you're speaking of, right? Beyond just the, you know, I, I know the, the name of Jesus, but do I know Jesus Christ myself in a personal way? Mm-hmm. Let me let me ask you this, sort of in an even evangelical mode in the truest, fullest Catholic sense of that. You were immersed in a world, you know, grow up Hindu, uh, of course, Silicon Valley, um, some very highly uh, gifted people who are business leaders. Many of them, you know, were in sense that you'd even consider anybody would consider voting for Trump. And we know he's flawed, as we all are, and all of that. But th- that caused you in your search to ask questions of why would these people vote for him that opened the door and you saw the goodness, you saw the love, you saw qualities that were occasions of conversion. So I guess I want to ask you the question, how do we connect with the hearts of those who have no interest in God and they're spinning around in this, you know, kind of self-satisfied world of let technology go where it goes, if that makes sense? Yeah, you know, I think I've seen the poverty of the lifestyle of people in Silicon Valley and I've met and been on social events of people who are literally billionaires. You know, I've Mm -hmm. met people like that and interact with them and they're still a poverty. Right. And the most important, you know, you're talking about St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. It is important for us to live our interior life and personal life in a way that is going to witness the, the Catholic faith. I think for, for those of us who God has, for whatever reason has decided to be in business leadership positions or in entrepreneurship, there are very few of us in Silicon Valley. Um, I like to think we all know each other. And for us, you know, the point I think is to not hide our faith, but show that our faith, and this is true, mm. our faith informs every decision that we make inside our company, inside our life, wherever it is. And I think people, people need to see that. I'll, I'll speak more to, to the technology founders that I have in my mind. You know, mm-hmm. they need to see that it's not a, um, it's not a weight, but a sale. Mm. And I think that people need so to good. understand that they are, they are miserable and they need to admit that. I, I know people who sold a company, whatever, $800 million. The next thing, the only thing they can think about is the next company they're going to sell. Mm-hmm. And 
I, I think it's good to work, of course, but I think that we have not given, we've not provided from the Catholic church. We have not provided an example of someone who's successful in business and frankly, someone who's very joyful mm. and so he, says it's all for the Lord. And, um, I don't think we've done that from the Catholic community. And I do feel hmm. like not just myself, but a few, um, I have this group of, it's a secret group of maybe six or seven technology founders that are Catholic that we mm. meet every few weeks. And I think that people like us and anyone else who is really called to be more of a leadership position, it's not only that we should succeed in our business, but it's that we should point to God with great joy. And mm. I think that example is much more important and will be much more impactful to the people that I know who you've identified it. I think we all have identified it They're They are very miserable. And I think that um, they're seeking meaning in their businesses. They're seeking meaning in their companies and it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. You know, there's only one source of meaning. That's awesome. And, and encouraging, I think, for all of us. And I, I, I speak and I'm asking these questions from a place of wanting to learn that I might be formed and better try to connect with with others. Uh, this quality of empathy, John Paul II identifies it as in love and responsibility, or it's a building block of love, just to be stretched outside of ourselves and be attuned to the heart of another uh, to the point where evangelization is not just this tactic, but it's an act of love. It's like, I want you to know what I know. And, you know, what is the language that I use and how do I do it and I you know you're giving us some good insight there now I do know um like Legatus I assume you're familiar with Legatus or not I'm a proud Legatus member okay there you go okay so um you know we're very familiar with Legatus and many involved with that and of course they I think in their core have that objective uh to be to be a context of engaging is that not you know potentially the greatest supreme purpose of all communication literally the root word to to become one with unity communication which of which the metaverse and technology and your you know your endeavor email you know it's it's measure is is it fostering with oneness is it fostering with unity fostering unity have you had some thought uh at all about how particularly from a newer catholic perspective um we might all better utilize technology and look to it for that purpose man very deep questions um if i could if i could go back just to one point for the the legatus point um you know i'm i'm probably a third of the average age in the legatus chapter that right. I'm in, and i love it <laughs> but i do think that there is something distinct about innovative businesses in the technology sector mm. versus a lot of my fellow legates they have industrial businesses, real estate, it's, it's totally different. I think mm-hmm. there is something unique about technology innovation that is really, um, the growth potential is really phenomenal. And it's also much more psychological what you choose to do mm. versus a manufacturing business, for example. Mm-hmm. Sure. Or I should say the psychology of what you choose to do is, is everything. It's an intellectual product. Everything is the psychology of what you choose mm. to do. So it's a little bit different in that way. Um, and your, your question was, you know, are there ways that we can think about using technology to create better unity? Yes. And I would say, I would say the answer is yes, because kind of going back to what we were talking about before, really a, a great penalty is that we are allowing technology to be divisive. Mm. 
And I think there is a very ordered way for us to use email and to use, you know, certain aspects of social media. There are very ordered ways for us to use it. I think the trouble is that we let it interrupt um, aspects of our lives that it shouldn't, you know, and I think reading this stuff, for example, when I was reading it, I was thinking, you know, if we were aware of this, so I'm using technology to read this great document from the church from 2002 and 1990 and et cetera, right? So that's phenomenal that the church has decided to make this available. That's wonderful. That's a great use of technology on behalf of our church. But then the trouble is you look at what you're reading from 2002, and I would think, you know, nobody would question whether you could actually attend mass through YouTube Mm. or through a live stream Mm -hmm. if you read this because Mm -hmm. it's already clear you can Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't meet the expectation and i do think that that's where we let technology interrupt us right and i think we do need to be more grounded in catholic principles and i think we need to say to ourselves nothing will keep me from mass nothing will keep me from the sacraments and then from that platform then see how technology can work for us rather than look at technology as a crutch. I think this live stream mass is a really interesting example because if you understood mass and you, you did this reading, it, it can't work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the same. What's, what's the point, mm-hmm. you know? I am a fire hose. I admit that I'm throwing a lot out there and, and folks who know me well, just know it, it, it's, there's so much about it that, that, that merits reflection and merits um, are asking the question, Lord, what are you saying to me in the midst of this? And that's really how I look at all of this. You know, the book tribe is phenomenal from a strictly a secular perspective, uh, talking about throughout history, how people would choose and find a meaningful life and prioritize more their connectedness with one another than even comfort or anything else. But back to this hinge, so I, I have the sense that there's a hinge right now that is being being chiseled and clarified before all of us, and it's simply this. Truth is not something we can presume to create, but someone in whom we are created. Truth is not something we can presume to create. I'm seeing that this this is sort of a vital um I don't know, battle taking place because the postmodern thesis that we can create our own reality, that I can decide myself, you know, what is my gender, right? Or what are the ultimate truths of the universe um, are leading people in directions that are causing them, if you will, to to go down the highway without uh, the guidance and smashing into the berms. And so almost via negativa, many people are coming to the recognition that, well, I'm really broken by making these choices. So it's really truthfully in the midst of all that, Christ takes on flesh, enters our culture. We are the church. We are Christ's presence. Technology is a capacity for us to be Christ's presence to the world and reveal a truth. How might we use technology to be evangelists in proclaiming the truth, to put a mirror in front of people? Yeah, I mean, the ultimate success story that I can talk about is myself. Because I can tell you unequivocally, I would not have converted if it were not for content that presented the truth to me online. Mm. And I wrote wrote something um, recently about this, like, my litmus test is not just, you know, my private experience, what have you, is my family is from an area of India called Tamil Nadu. And there's a city there called Chennai. And Chennai is the city that St. Thomas the Apostle was martyred. Mm. So they were pretty close wow. to that area. And so I, I draw this comparison that my family had been near Christianity basically since the beginning. And wow. in fact, the oldest church in the world is in India. I don't know if you knew that, but it's a very southern tip. And it was created by St. Thomas. Look for the oldest church still standing. 
Beautiful. Created by St. Thomas. Amazing. And pretty close to where my family was from. And I say that means that they were there to receive the gospel message or they were there around Christianity as long as you could have wanted, basically. And nobody found the truth and nobody converted until I did. And part of that is growing up in the United States, but part of it is also that the internet and how I, you know, finally the cost of acquiring this message was zero, essentially. That, that is different, right? It's different to be able to acquire the gospel message at a cost of zero versus at a cost of going to the library or having somebody evangelize you. Mm. And I think that the internet and technology is very distinct, mm. that it allows people to receive the gospel message exactly when they are ready. So when you are ready to go receive the gospel message, go get it online. Mm. Nothing will prevent you. That's huge, right? You don't have, it doesn't have to be dependent on when something occurs or when somebody preaches to you. Mm-hmm. you when you are ready, go to Catholic Answers. When you are ready, go get it, right? That's very unique. And that you can do it privately, right? You don't have to worry about the judgments of your family along the journey. You don't have to hide anything. It's much easier to do it. These are unique aspects of the internet that led to my conversion that is only possible through the internet. You know, as I'm saying, it's a unique qualities of this medium of content. So, yeah, I think that we should be we should be very sure that what technology can do is unique and it is different. Mm. And there are people, not just me, but other people I know who really came to the church or came back to the church because of online resources. Mm. I know that. I have many friends who are my age who, who experienced that. In fact, there's actually a person here who, um, who's um, in his 60s. And he goes to the Latin Mass Parish where I go. Hmm. And he even was a, he was a Protestant background, I think Baptist. And he actually came to the church also because of online resources. So it's not really just a phenomenon um, of my generation. It's really a lot of people are able to get the experience, the word of love, like you're saying, the truth, but they can get it when they want, when they're ready, privately. You know, it's, it's really everything you need to then develop a relationship with God when you're ready, mm. right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure we have many listeners right now excited about this option or opportunity. I don't know a person who's not frustrated with the big tech companies and the control and the fill in the blank. What words of encouragement and direction might you have for them? First is you don't need to switch your server. You don't need to do anything complicated. To, to sign up is just as easy as um, you know going through the, the checkout flow. We have a lot of guides that people are able to follow. I'm going to read you a quote from a, uh, a customer just yesterday that emailed me, and she said, I am finding the process of switching my email easy. The links and video on setting this up were super helpful. Awesome. It eased my mind to go through the guidebook and be able to do this. So I feel taken care of, she said. Mm. That's great. So I don't know. I doesn't, you know, judging by some of the other stuff we talked about, probably a grandmother's age. That's kind of the feeling that I get. So it's really something that everyone can do. You don't have to be um, technologically strong in any way. And of course you have guidebooks, but we'll help you. And um, it's really easy to do. It's just as easy as setting up another email account that you've done before. So I do want to ask you a a final question here, uh, Kailish, if you had 
an audience with all of those who worship at the throne of Elon Musk, Zuckerberg, Larry Page, Jeff Bezos, those in your association. If you had 30 seconds, what prominent message would you have for them? Yeah, it would be, I've been there. I was right next to you. You know, it's not even like I was somewhere else. I was right next to you. I was at that party. I did all the same stuff that you did. I did all the parties in Vegas. I did everything you did. And I know it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And I know it's hard to admit. And I know the saddest thing is that you have been convinced that the one place you shouldn't look is Christianity and conservatism. But that's the one place you didn't look. Mm-hmm. And I hope that you could privately on your own time, you know, figure out a way to learn about this perspective. And I know that it will speak to you about truth and it will be consistent unlike anything else that you've ever learned. And mm-hmm. it will be a decision between not you and your whole company and not you and all your investors and not you and everyone that knows you on Twitter, but it's just you and the Lord who is unseen mm-hmm. and it will be a private decision. It'll be very easy and, and you won't actually give up anything. I think that's the thing mm-hmm. that was so the most surprising for me. I still reflect on it now. If you truly have a desire to be great in your career and you trust God, I promise you God will ask more out of you for your career than you would ask out of yourself. Mm -hmm. That's what I have found. And you won't have to give up the things you don't like. You're going to give up the stuff that, sorry, you won't have to give up the stuff that you like. You're going to actually give up the things you don't like, which are the things in the Bible like turmoil and discomfort and unhappiness and anger and that's what I would tell them. You know, it's, it's, awesome. it's much more simple. And I was there. That is power packed. Else but there. That is power packed. And we are, we are so grateful that you said yes to our interview. And we, we look forward to continuing the journey with you. So do know of our, of our support and prayers. Uh, and uh, gosh, there's so many good things happening, folks. So many things that uh, merit our enthusiasm, our joy, our confidence. God is still Lord. In the midst of this mess in the wilderness, you know, he, he's paved the way and he's given us this great gift of the church to, to articulate that truth. And uh, let's not get distracted and let's see these great tools that God does provide as occasions to to reach people with the love of Christ, as you so beautifully just communicated. I want to direct you all again, folks, to fidei.email, F-I-D-E-I dot email. And until next time, God bless you. Thanks so much for being with us.